Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for February 6th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talk with members of the Arkansas Farm Bureau Commodity Boards about this week's winter commodity meeting in Little Rock, and we catch up with what's going on with the Arkansas Forestry Association. First, Ken Moore talks with Arkansas Farm Bureau Dairy Division Chair Bill Hawk of Benton County and dairy farmer Mike Fisher of White County. The number of active dairy farms in Arkansas is now down to only 32, and many of those producers took time to attend the winter meetings to engage in constructive discussions about what needs to be done to protect their farms and the dairy industry in Arkansas. I'm at the Arkansas Farm Bureau Winter Commodity Division meetings in Little Rock and just concluded the Dairy Division meeting here this morning. And I'm sitting now with uh, Bill Hawk, who is chair of the Arkansas Farm Bureau Dairy Division, and Mr. Mike Fisher, who's one of the few remaining dairymen here in the state of Arkansas. And uh, it's a stark reality, uh, Bill, that uh, I heard today that we're down now to only 32 working dairies in the state of Arkansas. After, you know, 20-something years ago, Mike, we had close to a 1,000, right? And so, you know, the number of dairies is in decline, but you're still hanging in there, and uh, there are issues that must be addressed. Uh, Bill, as chair of the division, uh, you had some very passionate, lively discussion. Uh, what's your takeaway from the meeting today? My, my takeaway of the meeting was that we have some incredible people and leaders that are dairymen now in Arkansas. It's very obvious for the 32 remaining dairymen to be still here. They've had to struggle, work hard, have tenacious attitudes, and just do everything they can to survive. What I saw in this meeting was uh, the Mike Fishers, the Frederick and Matt Simons, the Charles Koblenz, the Don Mayers, the George Moores. Uh, as, they, as I got to watch them talk of, of, their, of their desire to make things better, through collectively the Arkansas Farm Bureau process. And we were able to do that today with bringing in Brad Nye from the Attorney General's office. We had uh, concerns that we pretty much stayed on focus with what we thought should happen right now. Uh, we, we, we believe that the seasonality program, which pretty well penalizes the dairy farmers for making milk in the, in, in the spring if they make more than in the fall, in a state that is only the dairymen of Arkansas are only producing 4% of what the consumers of Arkansas needs. We believe that, that we should not be penalized but should be encouraged to make milk at any time. We also believe that with us being in the state of Arkansas, it should be advantageous to, to have milk here locally where we're paying our own transportation costs. What is happening is that we are being deducted out of our checks to pay for other milk to come in here. And what happens then when, that, when they do that is our blend price becomes lower. And we've always felt like as dairy farmers of Arkansas that the, the report card to the people that are uh, buying our milk is that they give us blend price. And at this time, there are many times in the month that they do not get us blend price. And, and so we're at this point feeling like we're asking the Attorney General to consider or look at where we don't have to pay for other incidentals to get milk here, but that we just have to pay what our milk costs to get to the processing plants and then get our blend price from that. A few years ago, you know, we used to have a number of cooperatives in the state of Arkansas. Now you're down to just one, right? How is that affecting how profitable you can be? 
we, we feel like the fairness is that we are not penalized for making milk at any time. Yeah. We also believe that uh, their report card, the co-ops, is that we get blend price at all times. I want to make sure that you understand that we're not asking our co-op if the blend price is at a level where that we cannot make profit, that's not their fault. Okay. But it is their fault if we the blend price is at a figure where we can make a profit and they are taking money away from that to bring in other supplemental milk to, to provide the processing plants that they, uh, produ- that they provide milk to. Uh, keep in mind, again, the dairy farmers of Arkansas are only producing 4% of the total needs of the consumers of Arkansas. So therefore, we, we should have an advantageous from that that we get that blend price as well as that we have no seasonality or, or being penalized for the milk that we produce. Mike, how long have you been milking cows and, and dairying? 34 years. It's getting harder and harder to stay in it, isn't it? Uh, and so what needs to be done so that after 34 years you can continue to have an active dairy farm in Arkansas? Well, if Bill said, well, all the dairy farmers is asking for is a fair price for the milk, and the uh, federal blend price is is what we ask for, and but we never never seem to get that, and uh, the uh, the transportation costs and stuff are just getting extremely high now. Um, when I first started in the dairy business, I was paying. Uh, 95 cents a hundred to get my milk hauled, and now I'm paying two dollars and thirty cents a hundred to get my milk hauled the exact same distance, and uh, it's just tough, just tough. Did I hear you say you were able to attend the American Farm Bureau Convention for the first time? I think down in Austin a few weeks ago, and I heard it said that uh, the dairy farmers there was a special meeting down there, I believe, early in the morning that was called to uh, get together with the other dairy farmers from all across the country. Is there a unity, a unified need to get something done to preserve the dairy industry in this nation? Well, that was one of the things that I, that amazed me when we were in Austin at the American Farm Bureau Convention was was the unity amongst the, the dairymen all across the country. Uh, the, everyone seemed to be on the same page that we needed to have changes and, and we needed to take more uh, into consideration the effect that things had on the dairy farmers and not necessarily what was good for the cooperatives that supposedly represents the, the dairy farmers. And uh, it, it was just a, a very enjoyable meeting. The 6 o'clock meeting was was strictly nothing but dairy people there, and uh, everyone seemed to be, uh, you know, unified in what we needed to do and pass the resolutions that... Uh, Arkansas had sent, and all states across the uh, the country had sent in to become part of American Farm Bureau policy, and and it did. So we we have a we have an opportunity now that we have never had before is to have a you know a, a, an organization behind us like American Farm Bureau that can help push some of the things that could really benefit the dairy farmers. You heard you had a conference call with Mr. John Newton, the uh, economist for the American Farm Bureau, and he understands the needs of the dairy industry, doesn't he? What's your takeaway from what John had to tell you during your meeting today? Well, it's very obvious John is well-informed, and the good thing about John's qualifications is is he worked for the Federal Milk Marketing Administration for 
I believe he said seven years, and uh, he is, I mean, he knows how it works. He realizes what the problems are, and he, he, he has solutions to those problems. And uh, it's just, I mean, it gives you a real sense of having, a, you know, someone like John heading things up and uh, know, the, you know what needs to be done. Well, best of luck to you, Mike, as you go forward throughout this year. And, and Bill, uh, you've got a follow-up to that. Where do we go from here now? We're into 2020, uh, a new year. Uh, you're going to be kind of laying the groundwork for your summer meeting, and I heard you encourage everybody to attend on your farm later this summer. Uh, what's the future for the dairy farmer in Arkansas? Well, in my opinion, the future is reliable on, on the incredible opportunities that Arkansas Farm Bureau has given us. Uh, President Hillman and, and, and the rest uh, of the body of Arkansas Farm Bureau has given us a significant voice, and we are a very small part. And I want to thank President Hillman for his support and, and Dan Wright, who was here, and, and the support cast that we have here at Arkansas Farm Bureau. It has truly been a blessing and, and has given us hope as dairy farmers that maybe we can get something accomplished. Um, we do have our summer commodity meeting. It's going to be June 3rd. Uh, we're going to have it at uh, my dairy farmer. As I had shared with the dairy farmers here, I would love for each one of them to come to my place so that they can tell me the things that I need to work on and get better at. So I'm really looking forward to a lot of great minds coming to my farm and, and letting me know and, and how I can become more efficient. And, and we're going to have a great meal as well as a really good speaker in Pete Harden from uh, the magazine Milkweed. And uh, I'm looking forward to the thoughts and the processes that hopefully we have accomplished these last six months that we can talk about. And if, if they have not come true with the things that we're hoping that happen, that as, as, as I've looked across these dairy farmers that they're so good at doing is in adapting, that, that then we will start with plan B. And uh, so we're looking forward to the next six months with what happens and then getting back together to, uh, to conclude with what happened and where we need to go from there. You also had during your meeting uh, State Representative Deanne Vaught from uh, Sevier County, who is also a dairy farmer. She and her husband, John, down there, along with uh, being swine producers, listen in. Just listen in. You've, you've got advocates at the state legislature, too, don't you, that understand the needs like she is and, uh, and others. And it's just about, you know, letting them know, informing them about the needs of this industry if they want to see it survive. Yes, I'm very, we were very blessed to have State Representative Vaught here. She has a great mind and good insight with what the issues and problems that we have. So we have obviously asked her to come back in the summer commodity meetings because, as we have talked about, this is going to be a team effort. And part of that team effort is people from the legislation on Arkansas getting involved with the, with the things that we at Arkansas Farm Bureau Dairymen need to have. So we're very thankful to have her here. She had some great insight, and uh, she's just got a great mind and a great heart, and we're so thankful that she was here. Well, you had a great meeting today, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about it with us. We've been speaking with Bill Hawk from Benton County, a dairy farmer from Benton County and chair of the Arkansas Farm Bureau Dairy Division, and Mr. Mike Fisher from White County, dairy farmer uh, near Beebe, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. 
Next, Ken talks to produce farmers Randy Arnold and Clyde Fenton about how the Farm to School program is a win-win for growers and local schools. Arkansas fruit and vegetable growers are being urged to participate in the Farm to School program, which offers a new marketing opportunity for produce farmers to provide their fresh, locally grown produce to schools and for schools to provide healthier food options for students. This is Ken Moore, and I'm coming to you once again on this edition of Arkansas AgCast from the Arkansas Farm Bureau Winter Commodity Division meeting. And we've just concluded the specialty crop division meeting, and I'm visiting with Randy Arnold. Randy is from Crawford County from the Alma community, and he is a a produce grower, grows strawberries and and other forms of produce. And Mr. Clyde Fenton, who has been growing produce in Boone County for a long, long time. And uh, so, Clyde and Randy, you guys have been doing this a long time, but let's talk about specifically the Farm to School program and why uh, produce growers like yourselves can see this as an opportunity. And Clyde, you shared with the group here just a minute ago your vision. Why is the Farm to School program, you know, a good way for produce growers to, you know, have a new market to sell what you produce, fruits and vegetables, to local schools? It's well, um, I, I guess I kind of got thinking about this whole thing, and, and actually I had to take this course on food systems. And in the course, one of the things they pointed out was that every county, the biggest buyer within the county is schools and institutions. And so I got thinking about that, and here in Arkansas we have 75 counties. Most of them are rural counties. And there's a lot of folks that would like to farm in those counties, but their market is, is, is a, a challenge but if we could involve the, the schools and the institutions, they have a built-in market there, and it gives an opportunity for them to grow more and sell more. Makes sense. Uh, Randy, you've been doing this for a long time. Tell me about uh, how you've been working with local schools. Understand you've been selling uh, what you grow to like eight different schools. Yes, sir. Uh, eight school, different school districts. Uh, they, they talk among themselves, so others call. It is a way to, to sell my product, uh, get the kids, educate where their food comes from, get fresh produce for them. Uh, the, the schools uh, are grateful to get it, and I'm, you know, it's a good service to, uh, for the farmers, too. So talk about how you got connected with them, and for those who may be unfamiliar yet, it, is it hard to kind of let them know about what you have to offer and then uh, find schools that want what you have? Uh, in the beginning, a child nutritionist contacted me because I had in the paper. And I got, she helped me get set up with other schools. And then I just sat down and started calling schools and telling them what I had. A lot didn't understand. Uh, with Miss Lane coming on now, she is going to educate the child nutritionist and farmers so they'll both know how to sell to schools and how the schools will need to purchase. Now, the Department of Agriculture, you mentioned Miss Lane. Her name's Sarah Lane. She's just recently been hired last year uh, by the State uh, Department of Agriculture to be the Farm to School Coordinator. The Department of Agriculture has conducted in the past what they call local conversations events uh, regionally around the state to try to connect growers like yourselves with the end user, with schools and other entities that would like local fruits and vegetables. And it's all about, like you say, nutrition, isn't it, Randy, to get kids to eat in the school cafeteria a healthier diet? Yes, I sell strawberries. So uh, the, the kids, they love the strawberries. It's on their plate, and they get them to eat it. It's something that they will eat, and uh, they look forward to, to having it. Uh, I'll have go have lunch at the federal school sometimes and promote our product. And then the kids sometimes will come to our farm and see how it is grown. Clyde, I heard a gentleman, a, a grower, he said he grows cantaloupes from down in southeast Arkansas. 
Uh, I believe he said that's where he's located. And uh, yet he learned that Lake Hamilton schools wanted some of his cantaloupes. Now, that's about a two-hour drive away for him to get up to Garland County, but they just connected. And so, you know, he, he's willing to drive and sell his surplus cantaloupes to that school district. So that's just an example of how this can work. Yeah, it it is. Um, and, and, you know, there are schools looking for these things. You know, I think some schools are looking to how do we get local produce um, there's others that there's kind of a fear they don't know how to go about it and so you know that's where Sarah's going to play a real important role in in uh, helping schools and farmers connect you know another thing I wanted to comment on a little bit off this but Randy kind of touched on it but habits are started when children are young and when kids start to eat fresh fruits and vegetables on a regular basis as a child, that'll carry into adulthood, and it'll be healthier habits. But the fresh produce is a great way to do that. We sold grape tomatoes into a local school through our farm this last year. We got great reports back that the kids loved them. They were like candy to them, and they just pop them one, one after another into their mouth. So it's a great way to introduce kids to fresh produce, where it comes from, um, you know, understand a little bit more about our industry, too, agriculture. No question. And, and can it make uh, you a little more profitable? Can it be a new market for you, Randy? Uh, yes, it is a new market. I, they buy a large quantity of uh, a, a product at a time, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm able to move a certain time of the year uh, more products to the schools. Well, I know for the smaller farms the, uh, like yours, Randy, that well, you have just a few acres of strawberries, but nonetheless, this provides a new opportunity for the, the produce grower. So where do you see this going and, and the reception you received from the meeting today? Well, I thought there was, there was some, some good discussion on it today, and, and you know, I think people are you know, starting to, to realize there's some opportunities that maybe they've kind of lain dormant here in the state for a while, and... Um, they're realizing there's some opportunities that they weren't there before. You know, probably another thing, I'm aware that this, the schools, because there is such an interest in, in kids eating healthier and child nutrition and so forth, there has been um, not only an interest in local foods, but also some influx in helping schools to buy local produce. So, you know, I think I think the future's bright for our small produce farms here in Arkansas. I think there's there's real potential in some markets that maybe we haven't really given a lot of thought to in the past. And working with the uh, Arkansas Department of Agriculture and uh, Sarah Lane, hopefully you can partner with them. And it's all about networking, isn't it? Getting the growers connected with the local school. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I think. I think that, and that has always been one of the things I looked at. It's like, uh, you know, Farm to School's done some fantastic things with gardens and raising awareness. Um, I'm really anxious to see this next phase of it where they make that connection with farmers, too. I think that's going to be a win-win, a win-win for the farmers, a win-win for the schools. Well, I know I've had that conversation with uh, Secretary Wes Ward before. And he's all behind it, so let's just see what the future holds. And thank you, fellas, for uh, giving me a few minutes of your time today. And uh, have a good year in 2020, Randy. Thank you. Been speaking with Randy Arnold and Clyde Fenton on this edition of Arkansas AgCast.
Finally, Keith Sutton sat down with Max Braswell, Executive Director of the Arkansas Forestry Association, and shared with us the mission and vision of this important advocacy organization. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I'm in Little Rock with Max Braswell, who is the Executive Vice President of the Arkansas Forestry Association. Welcome to AgCast, Max. Well, Keith, thanks for having us. We're, uh, I'm excited to be able to talk with you today. We're going to talk some about forestry today, and we don't do that often enough, I think. Uh, many people probably don't know about the Arkansas Forestry Association, and we'll call it AFA for short. Uh, tell folks a little bit about what AFA is and a little bit of the history behind the organization. Well, Keith, I, I wish we weren't a, a well-kept secret, but we probably are. Um, but AFA has been around since 1947. We're the only nonprofit trade association in Arkansas that represents the entire forestry community in the state. And that includes private non-industrial landowners, maybe a, a couple that owns 100 acres of, of timberland, all the way up to the state's largest corporate and industrial landowners, names people would be very familiar with, like the warehousers of the world, the potlatch deltics, uh, people like that. Um, we work for forest products manufacturers, again, folks that people would know like Georgia Pacific, International Paper, uh, Green Bay Packaging, uh, so folks in the pulp and paper industry, in the sawmill business. Uh, we also have members that are professional foresters. Uh, they may be forestry consultants, uh, loggers. We, we work for and represent members of the logging community. So really, I say anyone who has anything to do with with planting, growing our forests, and using those to manufacture products that we use every day, they have a place within the Arkansas Forestry Association. And you're based in Little Rock, but you encompass all the state of Arkansas. That's right. Our offices uh, are in Little Rock. We have a great location just a, a couple of blocks down from the Capitol, which is good for me because the number one reason that we exist is to advocate or do public policy work, government affairs work on behalf of that community that I just described for you. I like to say you're, you're sort of the Farm Bureau of Forestry because uh, in a way you do for the forestry community what Farm Bureau does for all of agriculture. That's exactly right. You, you guys at Farm Bureau, you're trying to work for your constituents so that you can develop an atmosphere where they can be successful. They can reach their goals uh, as members of the agriculture community, and we try to do exactly the same thing for folks in forestry. You know, we're all impacted by uh, government regulation. We're impacted by uh, environmental concerns, the uh, the overall economy, all of those types of things have an impact on um, the private forestry community's ability to be successful. Uh, we all want to do good things, but at the at the end of the day, these folks are business people. Some of them are small businesses, some of them are large, and they need to be profitable in what they do in order to continue to be sustainable. And we use that word sustainability in a lot of ways, but. We try to do very much what the Farm Bureau Bureau Federation would do for the what I call the sort of the the agriculture community as a whole. That's right. Uh, and we talked. You you ask about our location. Yes, we're here in Little Rock, but we do represent the the entire forestry community. Uh, you know, a lot, one of the misconceptions that people might have um, 
is that we're losing our forests in Arkansas or we're losing our forests in the in the South or across the United States, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, we have about 19 million acres of forest land in the state. Over half of our state is covered in trees. And so forestry is a big deal. Uh, most of our industrial forests, where people think all uh, our state's covered in pine, well, they've probably driven through the south part of the state. That's where most of our forest industry is. That's where pine trees grow well. And so we see a lot of pine in the south. Uh, but our state actually has more hardwoods, oaks, gum, and, and things of that nature than we do um, pine. So the northern part of our state, covered in, the, in uh, trees up there that are mostly hardwood in our, uh, the Ozark and St. Francis National Forest, the Washita's, the Ozark Mountains. So we have a diverse forest. We have a lot of them here, and we try to work on behalf of the entire industry. A lot of our forest here are small privately owned tracks. Is that correct too? That, that's absolutely right. Uh, another misconception uh, I think that people have is is that the government owns everything. Right. They, they think of maybe our national forests, they think of the places out west, but here in Arkansas and across the south, um, probably 80 plus percent of our forests are privately owned and of that private ownership, probably 60% or more are owned by those private individuals. Uh, private, what we say, are non-industrial landowners. Um, and, and so we work for those folks in particular through our tree farm program. Yeah, a, a lot of us see those signs as we're driving through the state, all over the state. I've seen them everywhere from Crowley's Ridge to the Ozarks to the Gulf Coastal Plain. They're everywhere. Tell us a little bit about that, maybe. Well, the, the tree farm program, um, we have administered that uh, program through AFA for a number of years, almost as long as we've been around, AFA has administered the tree farm program. And it is a third party certified um, uh, program for those small family forest owners. We, we use that term a lot, family forest owners. Um, and it is, it is a program that provides them resources. They, they meet some very rigorous uh, guidelines in order to be certified. The fiber that they would be growing uh, is certified under the tree farm program, just like uh, large industrial owners might be certified through the Forest Stewardship Council or the Sustainable Forestry Initiative. Um, we uh, do public education and outreach for those owners. Uh, we serve as facilitators to get them to the resources that they need. And the bottom line is, is those guidelines um, sort of give us an ability to prove that we are growing that fiber in a sustainable manner. We are meeting uh, our, our, our voluntary best management practices. We're taking into consideration things like endangered species, special places on our property, um, all of the kind of things that uh, maybe folks that aren't involved in forestry would want to think is happening on the landscape. Right. Well, by, by third party certification through our tree farm program, people can be assured that uh, those folks are adhering to those kinds of practices. I know for a fact that sustainability is a big deal these days. It is. We see it a lot, and I know that uh, y'all just released a brand new publication. Folks can get online even and download it. 
Uh, I looked at it this morning. Tell us a little bit about the new publication y'all have available about sustainability in forest. Sure, and it, and, and, and it is entitled um, pretty much a sustainable guide to forestry in Arkansas, and it is geared towards that private landowner, that person who uh, may not have all of the information right at hand. Uh, it's sort of a reference book where, where as they begin to um, to manage their property, they may have questions and uh, they can go to that and say, hey, what do I need to think about from a best management practices perspective? Or, you know, I've got a question about cost share programs, but I don't know who to call. It's got a, a tremendous list of natural resource providers in it. Uh, AFA certainly serves as a facilitator. Our phone rings all the time with someone that asks, who do I talk to about this? And we, we're our, one of our jobs is to get you to the right place. Uh, but basically, in that publication, we think it gives you a roadmap to, to help you sustainably manage your forest land. Um, and really, I think it helps answer the question out there, you know, is forestry really green? Are, are we really doing the right kind of things? Do we need to be worried about uh, losing our forest land these days. You know, forestry today, uh, we think, is an integral part of the solution to a lot of things that we deal with. You can't have uh, clean air without forests. Forests are the number one provider of clean drinking water on this planet. Um, you can have aesthetic beauty. You can have great wildlife habitat. You can get a return on your investment by harvesting sustainably and, and responsibly and, and getting those products to the mill so we can have uh, those 5,000 wood products that we use every day. Uh, no one has to be a loser. It is a win-win scenario uh, from forestry. And so AFA wants to be a part of leading that charge and getting our story out uh, so that people understand what forestry means today. So if I'm that little private landowner and I'm wanting to know all this, what, what are some of the more maybe specific things that AFA can do for me? I should say, too, we should discuss you can become a member of AFA, and y'all are encouraging people to join and be a bigger part. Of Tell us a little bit more about that and how AFA can help us individually. Absolutely. You know, AFA, uh, being a, a nonprofit trade association, we are a membership-driven association. Right. That's how we um, generate the resources to do what it is that we do. And so we are always looking for members. Those private non-industrial landowners, uh, we they, they make up the largest component of our membership. But I would say, Keith, there are thousands of, of forest landowners who are not connected right. to the Arkansas Forestry Association. And so networking and being able to uh, be in venues, have conversations with your colleagues, your peers, is one of the primary uh, benefits of being a part of the association. Uh, so you can go online uh, at, at www.arcforest.org and, and you can become a member there. You can give us a call. You know, our telephone number here is 501-374-2441. Uh, but being a member of an association like this, um, getting co connected to something like Tree Farm, uh, although it doesn't um, drive your, 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 the price you get for your timber uh, more, but more and more these days, uh, Facilities are looking for third-party certified fiber, 
and that might get you an ability to get your timber into the mill instead of not being able to because they're looking for that certified fiber. We, we haven't talked a lot about advocacy, but you know there are a lot of things that impact the ability of someone in our community to be successful. We're working on a daily basis, whether it's having a conversation with a county judge or a U.S. congressman, to try to shape that public policy in such a way uh, that, uh, in a responsible way, allows you to be successful. If your goal is to grow forestry for an investment return and, and grow wood products, we want you to be able to do that uh, without an overabundance of unnecessary regulation. So we work along those lines. Uh, you know, being a member, again, puts you um, in a network of resources where if you call AFA, um, we may not be the forestry experts, but we can find the resources that you need because our partners are everyone from Farm Bureau to our state forestry agencies, our federal forestry agencies, Natural Resource Conservation Service, you name it, and it's all in that book. We can put you in contact with the resources that you need. And, the, and really, at the, at the end of the day, we want folks out there in the state of Arkansas to be actively managing their forests, keeping them as working forests. And if we do that, that ensures that we're going to maintain our healthy forests. Uh, we're not going to be losing them. Uh, and we're, again, going to have everything we want out of uh, the great resource and the renewable resource that we have in the state of Arkansas. I know you're a regular fixture at the Capitol. We see you at our Farm Bureau meetings. Uh, you represent AFA very well, and we uh, definitely want people to know that uh, AFA is something that's important if you're any facet of the forestry, uh, whether it's just a small landowner or, or even the, the larger corporate type uh, entities. Uh, tell us again, so, so let's spell it out. I want everybody to know how to get to your website for one thing and uh, give them your phone number again sure. if you would, Matt. Our website can be found at www.arcforests, that's A-R-K-F-O-R-E-S-T-S, always got to put the last S on there, right. .org, and our telephone number, we're here in Little Rock, 501 Three seven four two four four one, and and if you get connected to to us, there there's so many things that we didn't talk about today, from the charitable aspect of of what we do through our log a load for kids program and helping. Let's quickly talk about that because that is such a big deal to me and to a lot of other people. So let's take a minute and talk about that well, real quick. Really, really quickly, log a load for kids. It's something that. Uh, when you hear that for the first time, you ha you say, now what did you say? You, you have to repeat yes. that again. But we have a program called Log a Load for Kids. It's a program that benefits Arkansas Children's Hospital. We have six chapters around the state, and they the, it is absolute grassroots fundraising at its best. These are local community volunteers, members of the forestry community who do everything from have raffles and bake sales to fish fries, silent auctions. Uh, it happens all across the state, all throughout the year. Um, and we just got our numbers in, and last year 
we raised a little bit over $600,000 oh, wow. for Arkansas <laughs> Children's Hospital. That's a big deal. Um, we are, through the Logaload for Kids program, Arkansas Children's Hospital's second largest um, fundraising organization behind, you, you probably wouldn't think this, Walmart. Okay. It's Walmart and, and then, then the Logaload for Kids program. Uh-huh. And since we've been doing this... Um, we, we, we're, I think, into our 27th year. Oh, wow. We are somewhere between 10 and $11 million that we've raised. Congratulations. Um, That's a lot of money. So Arkansas is about 48th or 49th in per capita income, and we, I think we're number one in charitable giving. And even do, during the worst of economic times, the people in the forestry community never turned away from the Logaload for Kids program, and our fundraising continues to grow and grow. And it's because um, the people in this sector of agriculture, uh, just like the people that you know, uh, I grew up in Arkansas County in rice and duck country. Those are some of the, if not the finest people that you will ever work salt with. Salt of the earth. They are life, salt so. of the earth. They are willing to give. They work hard. And they want to do the right thing. And if you're not a member of the forestry community and you have questions, uh, if nothing else, um, you know, we want to earn your trust as a community so that when we communicate, um, you believe that we are sharing information that's factual um, and that it has truly the best interests of our forests and our state at heart. I want people, when they leave from listening to this podcast, when they think of forest, think of AFA, the Arkansas Forestry Association. Y'all got all the answers for us when we need help. Uh, You're doing good things like logger load for kids. And uh, thank you very much for taking time today to uh, talk about AFA. Keith, we're we're thrilled that you gave us a little bit of your time. And uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again sometime. Very good. Thank you, Max. That will do it for this week's Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with more stories and news from the state's largest industry.